Welcome to Bio, a podcast produced by the Biographers International Organization. Bio is devoted to promoting the work of biographers and advocating for biography as a genre with the support of biographers and biography lovers worldwide. I'm Bio member Lisa Napoli in Los Angeles. On each episode, we'll talk with the biographer about his or her work. This time, a conversation with writer Anne Boyd Rue. She's a professor of English at the University of New Orleans and the author of a biography of the writer Constance Fenimore Wilson. Her new book is a biography of a book. It's titled Meg Jo Beth Amy, The Story of Little Women and Why It Still Matters. The classic book just turned 150 years old last year. Tell me, uh, how did you decide to write this book? The anniversary was one impetus, 150th Right, right. Well... I didn't know that when I first decided to write the book. So I, um, having come off of written a big biography, Cradle to Grave, book of a writer from the 19th century, Constance Fenimore Wilson, I was a bit exhausted. And I thought, how am I going to write another biography? I mean, it's a, it's a really, you really get immersed. And it's just, it took years and years and years. But I wanted to write another book. I, had, I loved the experience of it. And I had been, I'm a literature professor. And I had written uh, or read, actually, some really interesting books that I'd written reviews of that were books about books. Um, Michael Gore's The Portrait of a Novel. Maureen Corrigan, the book reviewer for Fresh Air, wrote a book on The Great Gatsby. Rebecca Mead from The New Yorker wrote a book about, it's called My Life in Middlemarch. And I just thought, what a great way to write about literature for a wider audience, because I am so done disenchanted with academic writing. Um, and I, I just kind of fell in love with this idea of writing a book about a book, but I didn't know what I would write about that people would be interested in what book would I write about. And of course, the event, one night in the middle of the night, Little Women came into my head and I'm like, duh, of course, Little Women. I had named my daughter, gave her the middle name Josephine when she was born. Um, Louisa, Alcott, Louisa May Alcott was in my dissertation, which became my first book. And um, and that book meant a lot to me. I did not read Little Women when I was little, like so many other people have. I didn't read it till I was in graduate school, but I was in my early 20s trying to figure out what the heck I'm going to do with my life, which is why I was in graduate school to begin <laughs> with, right? And uh, Joe really resonated with me at that time. I mean, she really had a big impact on me because here she was trying to figure out how she was going to write books someday. Um, you know, wanting to have this literary career, but having a family. These are all questions I was wrestling with, and I just didn't know what what my future would look like. So I went back to Little Women. Um, going back to the book was such a rich experience for me because I hadn't been, you know, hadn't revisited it um, since my while my daughter was growing up. And now she was 11 when I started writing this book. Perfect, Perfect age. age. So she got the book from me. She dutifully read it. But watching her experience reading it and talking to other girls and other kids her age really um, enriched my experience of writing this book. So actually, the, the moment in Little Women that resonated with me when I was in my early 20s is at the end of the book when Joe says, um, I haven't given up on my dream of writing a book someday. Um, I, I still hope to do that, but... You know, the experiences I'm having now as a wife and a mother, as a teacher, will, you know, make it a better book someday. And I just thought, what a novel idea, right? Because as women, we always hear you can't do both. Or if you try to do both, 
you know, they'll suffer. The work will suffer. If you're having a family, the family will suffer if you're doing your work, right? And here she was actually positing the idea that they could enrich each other. And I have to say, in writing this book, that is absolutely true. Having a daughter, um, watching her grow up, and realizing that what Little Women is very much about is how hard it is to grow up as a girl. And it was tough for me. And then watching her, my daughter, you know, she was going, it was a very emotional experience actually writing this book. Wow. So, mm-hmm. so it's all the, t- it's timely information, even though it's, it's timeless information, the struggles right. that they went through. Yes. Um, yeah. And the resonance for you and your right. daughter is obviously growing up at a different time. Right. So. Right. But then, then there was the anniversary, right? So I had that idea in the middle of the night to write a book about little women. I got up the next day and just Googled when was it published and saw it was published in September 1868. This was in 2015. And I realized I'm going to have to somehow write a book over the next year and a half because it takes a year in production, right? You have to be done with the book a year before it comes Mm -hmm. out, more or less. And so I had to, you know get a grant to take time off from work and it just everything fell into place super fast and I spent a year writing the book which was very fast compared to my last book but I had a deadline that I couldn't miss because of the anniversary so it really helped motivate me and keep me on track. How did publishers react? I would think that it was probably an easy sell well, Partially because of the success of your first book. Right. We, it did not go out to multiple publishers simply because I had already published a book with Norton and my editor was interested in the book. And so I stayed with my editor for this book. And, um, and they've been great. I mean, it was just Norton is such a wonderful press to work with. Um, and, yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better home for this book. So one of the things I've watched you since I've been part of Bio, and I've mm-hmm. seen your work for years, and I really admire that you keep up a community of people in various forms um, about the subjects of your work and you and your work. And mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine what you've been the recipient of since your book came out, since people are so passionate about little women can you talk oh, about like telling that? me their stories yeah and have yeah, you been the yeah, repository yeah. of everybody yeah 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 well that was happening while I was writing the book but I was also looking for that too trying to connect with um women who read the book when they were young since I didn't have that experience of growing up with the book really wish that I had I think I could have used Joe March when I was that age um <clears throat> girls today I think kind of find that they have so many other role models they have Hermione Granger. They have Katniss, what is her name? Katniss Everdeen. And so they, uh, from the Hunger Games. And so they have a lot of, um, a lot of role models that they can look to. Um, so I, I did uh, sort of reading groups with women, and I talked to kids, and I talked to teachers. Um, you know, so I was doing that was part of my research process, which was not the case at all when I was writing a biography of Constance Farmer Wilson, right? This 19th century writer who'd been long dead. So this actually became an interesting experience of, you know, venturing into, you know, not just a history of the book, but trying to understand what it means now and dealing with uh, people who have such passionate feelings about the book. But then also what I found, which was actually very troubling, was that the book is not being taught in schools today Hmm. because teachers are teachers think boys won't read it or they're afraid of, you know, turning them off from reading by giving them little women to read. Wow. And so suddenly there was this hot issue this thing that I felt really upset about, passionate about, um, and 
I had to write about that. I couldn't ignore it. And that actually became a whole chapter in the book. Um, so you, you said, what kind of responses am I getting from people? Actually, what I'm hearing about most is that chapter. Um, the, mm-hmm. I think it's called, you know, Can Boys Be Little Women? And, you know, spoiler alert, yes, they can. I've seen them do it. I introduced the book to um, some sixth graders at my daughter's school, and they were choosing books for their independent reading groups. And one of the groups that chose the book was a group of boys, and nobody gave them any crap about it, right? Nobody teased them. It was because of how I introduced it to the class, because they just read Tom Sawyer, right? And I said, this is a book from the same period, but it's more about girls. And then there's this boy next door named Lori, who's a boy, despite his being called Lori, and putting it in that context and helping them see, wouldn't it be kind of interesting to know what the girls were thinking about at this time, too, what life was like for them? And, um, and it, you know, I think it, it's all about really, I think it's, it's really about creating that supportive environment, but also creating the context and making the book seem more accessible because it is, yeah, it's tough for kids. But that's the chapter that I'm hearing most people talk about. They want to hear more about that. Yeah. I know we talk here at at the biography conference and just in general, anybody who's a biographer talks about uh, there's never any definitive book about something. It's always about the moment in time that that book is written. And yeah, that's another reason your book was so resonant because of the moment in time that we're having all this discussion about gender, gender and gender roles. Right. You know what I found, actually? There have been, of course, earlier anniversaries of Little Women. Um, eight, 1968 was the 100th, and that that was a very turbulent time, 1968. So if you look at what people were saying about Little Women then, it's fascinating. It's just, it's the beginning of the women's movement, right? They're, um, you know, Martin Luther King and, and, so, right, and right. Robert mm-hmm. F. Kennedy are getting assassinated, and right, this is very turbulent times. And, and there was this great piece that I found at that time about <clears throat> thinking, well, you know, how can we read Little Women at a time like this? But if we go back to the book, you realize it's about a very turbulent time. It's set during the Civil War, for crying out loud, right? And it's about how families get torn apart and how they struggle to come back together and, you know, how people are re- sort of adjusting to this new landscape that they're living in the middle of. And so it's a book that, and the first, or the first, I guess, significant anniversary would have been 1918, the 50th anniversary, right? So if you look at all those milestone moments, we're just in another one, right? It's not that this time is really that much different than the earlier times, but it's another sort of watershed moment where we're taking a look at ourselves. Who are we as a nation? What role do we all have to play? Who who gets to be uh, counted really as a citizen and have sort of, you know, a full voice in this culture? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. That's a a super great thread that I won't go down right now with you just to keep a little bit more on biography mm-hmm. and thinking last year in the same room I interviewed Beverly Gray about her book about the movie the, graduate, about the graduate yeah. and so I've watched both of you and and this it's sort of a pan um yeah, pan panorama approach. Kind yeah, of, yeah yeah mm-hmm. and it, it so what would you say to somebody I mean a lot of it, what you arrived at was a biography doesn't have to be about one person cradle to grave. There are right. so many approaches. Right. I think writing a biography of a book is such a rich experience. I know people have written biographies of, of objects and right. things mm-hmm. or um, cities, which could also be very dynamic. But I think a book is something that um, if it's a book that really has touched people – 
that has lasted. It's lasted because there have been differing opinions about how to read it, right? It becomes a kind of living text, right? It has a cultural life of its own because, you know, once the author dies or, you know, once it's published even, but then certainly once they die, it becomes part of sort of the the public own the book now, right? Readers own the book. And they can approach it in different ways at different times. So just even tracing kind of the reception history or really, you know, how did people read this book differently at different times and why, that can really tell us a lot about the culture at different times and about the book. Um, but I think, yeah, books are really um, great for thinking, you know, because they, they have a kind of life of their own right. in a way. So my book actually structured... <clears throat> somewhat chronologically, although I didn't do a straight chronological approach, but the three sections are, you know, the first section is how the book was born and the life of the book until Alcott died, which is like 20 years later or so. And then um, the second part of the book is the life that it led over the course of the 20th century, right? So there's a chapter on looking at all the adaptations. That's one way that the book lived. Another one was different interpretations of the book over time, how it's been read so much differently, and then what it has meant in terms of, you know, the impact that it's had on women writers in particular, sort of the literary influence of the book, how it has created this whole sort of field of women's literature. What I think, one of the things that was so shocking to me, and I had no idea, is how many women writers have been impacted by little women who got the very first idea that maybe I want to be a writer someday by reading about Joe March and Little Women. It's kind of hard to even imagine where we would be, where women's literature would be without having that original inspirational text. So, and then the third part <clears throat> is, um, you know, what Little Women means to us now from different angles. Like mm -hmm. I talked about, you know, can boys read Little Women and what does that mean? Um, and then also, you know, how girls, um, what it's like growing up female today, because to me that's the real major theme of the book. And, you know, Greta Gerwig is making a new film of Little Women. Yes, it's so exciting. It's coming out in December. And so wow. we're, you know, the cast of this movie is unbelievable. Coming off of her Lady Bird success, Cersei, Cersei Ronan is also in this. She's Joe. And Timothy Chalamet from that movie is Laurie. And you've got Emma Watson. You've got Meryl Streep. You've got Laura Dern. I mean, this is going to be... Oh. Wow. An amazing movie, and it's it's actually the producers of this movie are the same producers who made the 1994 film with Susan Sarandon as Marmee and Winona Rotor as Joe. They realized that we need a new Little Women for a new generation because adaptations play a huge role in the life of a book. And uh, because it's a book that's not being read as much by little girls today, um, I'm really curious to see what happens. And I understand that her script, Greta Gerwig's script, actually focuses on the second half of the book where the girls are growing up. Because that, I think, is the section where, you know, we can really see the relevance. I mean, girls are going through so many of the same things mm -hmm. that they were going through then. Mm-hmm. Mm what obstacle, what was the biggest <laughs> obstacle you faced? Was it the time in your case? I oh, mean, the seemed, compressed timeline of yeah. writing the book? Or was it, I mean, in terms of research, it seems like so much of what you did was synthesizing your experiences with others and, yeah. and the people you were discussing. But what was there a big obstacle that you well, faced? Well, I think one thing I really struggled with, well, we, God, we spent forever on the title. That was <laughs> going back and forth, the marketing people. But I think for me in the writing of it, it was it was how to structure the book, right? Can I tell, do I just discuss the book chronologically the way you would, say, a person's life, right? Or do I approach it thematically? And what I came up with then was a kind of combination, 
right? Of I had the sections that were chronological, but within those sections, the chapters are thematic, more or less. So it's, it that was a struggle for me, just figuring out the structure. But once I had the structure, then I was able to dump my research as I was organizing it into those chapters, right? Which actually helped. But it, it really took talking through things with my writing group that I'm in. We don't share writing with each other, but we do, um, we talk about, it's like a very process sort of oriented group. So what are we working on? What troubles are we having? Mm-hmm. And they really help me think through how to structure it because that, that was important. Yeah, once you mm-hmm. have the bones, it's like a yes. blueprint for a house. Th- right, and then and I could start putting the meat on it, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. that takes a long... Or the wallpaper, I guess, to follow your analogy and right. putting right. the furniture. and Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now, Anne Boyd Rue reads from Meg Jo Beth Amy at the 10th Annual Biographers International Conference opening night on May 17, 2019 at the Fabry Mansion in New York City. So I think of this as a biography of the book Little Women. I talk about how it came to be, the life it lived over the course of the 20th century, and its cultural significance still today. And so I'm going to read a little bit from Chapter 2 where I talk about how she wrote the book from her life how Louise Malcott sort of incorporated aspects of her life. When asked to write a novel for girls, Alcott had decided to base it on herself and her sisters, thinking, our queer plays and experiences may prove interesting. Upon completing the novel, she reflected, we really lived most of it. Having first discovered her true style by writing uh, letters for her book, Hospital Sketches, she again wrote from her own life, creating the most lifelike book for children that had yet appeared. As a result, she became a celebrity, not only as the author of Little Women, but also as its protagonist, Jo March. Early reviewers assumed that the novel drew on the author's life, and readers often wrote to Alcott as if she were Jo herself. The publisher also promoted the association of the Marches with the Alcotts, using one such fan letter as an advertisement. It began, Dear Jo, or Miss Alcott, and continues, we were also disappointed about your not marrying Lori. <laughs> Alcott even liked to call herself Jo, and later added an- notations in her journal about which episodes had informed scenes in the book. For instance, next to a passage about living in a Boston apartment and writing to support herself, she wrote, Jo in the garret. In writing to fans, she referred to her family as the Marches, and to each of her three sisters as the names of their fictional counterparts. Anna became Meg, Lizzie became Beth, and May became Amy. This connection between life and text would be carried through the many biographies and retellings of the Alcott story that began to appear immediately after her death. It is safe to say that Alcott's family and her experiences inspired many of the characters and episodes in Little Women, especially in part one. However, the full story of their lives could not be represented in a book for young people, containing as it did extreme poverty, religious radicalism, marital strife, suicidal thoughts, and possible mental illness. Louisa had a much rougher time of it than Joe ever did. Still, the great charm of the book remains its realism, which is based on the pranks, dreams, and growing pains of four very real girls. As Alcott says in Little Women of even Beth, the most seemingly idealized of the novel's characters, she was not an angel, only a very human little girl. 
Probably the most surprising fact about the Alcotts, contrary to the cozy ideal of home and family life immortalized in Little Women, is that the family moved incessantly, over 30 times before Louisa was in her mid-20s. Not only that, but the Alcotts were many times temporarily separated and occasionally in danger of being broken up altogether due to her father's instability. In 1842, when Louisa was nine years old, Bronson's close friend, Ralph Waldo Emerson, wrote of him, he is quite ready at any moment to abandon his president, residence and employment, his country, nay, even his wife and children on very short notice to put any new dream into practice. By then, Bronson had already left on numerous travels, as he would many times more. Thank you. That's writer Anne Boyd Rue. My conversation with her was recorded on Saturday, May 18th, 2019, at the Leon Levy Center for Biography at the City University of New York's Graduate Center during the 10th Annual Biographers International Conference there. To learn more, please visit our website, biographersinternational.org. Enzo De Palma created our theme music. Cherie Newman is our podcast editor. I'm Lisa Napoli in Los Angeles. Thanks for listening to Bio. <laughs>